Find the life you didn't think was possible with the Jesus you never knew. Together, let's slow down a little and pay better attention to the most significant person in history. Welcome to the podcast, Paying Ridiculous Attention to Jesus, with your host, Rick Lawrence, brought to you by Lifetree. Visit us at JesusCenteredLife.com. Well, hi, listeners. This is Season 5, Episode 40, brought to you by Jesus Centered Resources. I'm Rick Lawrence, author of the just-released Jesus Centered Daily, uh, my new daily devotional. Two years of just pouring myself into the last uh, sort of three decades of my life with Jesus, uh, pulling stuff from all along the way and trying to funnel it all in a condensed way down into this little daily devotional. So um, you've heard me talk about it before, but if you haven't yet pulled the trigger and gone out and gotten yourself a copy, you can just go to the website I uh, built my own self called jesuscenteredaily.com, jesuscenteredaily.com. It's an easy way to go check out the devotional if you want to. You get a 10-day sampler there if you just click a little button. Or you can uh, click on another little button and just go directly to buy, buy a copy or copies since Christmas is on its way. What a great, fantastic Christmas gift a daily devotional would be for the people you love in your life. And uh, you can also see a little intro video that I recorded earlier this year on that site. So it's jesuscenteredaily.com. Head on over there if you want to check it out. And if you already have a copy, please, 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 uh, I say this every episode, just post a a review on Amazon. That's a very simple way to let a lot of other people know about it because Amazon, uh, the more reviews this little devotion gets, the more people will be exposed to it. So uh, if you could do that, that's uh, playing an important but uh, non-time-consuming role in helping to uh, have other people exposed to this sort of daily way of reconnecting to Jesus. One thing that's unusual about this devotional, other than just the perspective that I have on who Jesus really is and what he's really about and all that he's developed in our, in my intimate relationship with him over the last decades, that that's all in there. Um, But also it's, it's, it, it takes a different tack than most devotions. There's a question to ponder at the bottom of each devotion. There's something Jesus said um, explicitly at the bottom of each devotion. And then there's something to do that's tied to one of your five senses or all five senses. It's something as simple to do that will kind of embed the truth of that day's devotion in your life. So uh, those that little to-do thing is a, uh, was a major part of this project uh, to try to think through uh, what could you do in this that connects somehow to your senses and yet isn't too difficult to pull off. So, so I just encourage you to check it out and threaten your friends into getting one too. So this is now the sixth episode in a series I'm calling Present Concerns. And this is where exploring challenges that, <clears throat> that are seeping into, pressing into our everyday life and then connecting them directly back to something similar that uh, Jesus either taught or encountered. So we're trying to explore everything we're experiencing right now in our current reality through the lens of Jesus, which is not unusual. That's what we do here. We pay ridiculous attention to Jesus here. That's what we do. So today 
we're going to explore something a little bit unusual. <laughs> last week, we, uh, we did this again. We, our focus last week was good humor. And that doesn't sound like a present concern until you really think about it. Today, we're going to explore what I'm calling consider the birds. Consider the birds. Hmm. Get to that in just a second. So unfortunately, today, the Becky Nader cannot join me. Something she told me about this, you know, this business she's running, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I'm joking right now. Be Becky's got a full life. And um, whenever she can join me on the podcast, it's a tremendous grace. And I never take it for granted. So we'll look forward to her rejoining us again next week. But this week, she is off the clock as far as the podcast is concerned. So I mentioned uh, the theme today is consider the birds. That's, uh, we're going to do something a bit different today. This is going to be a bit of a shorter podcast. And I'm going to try to do something that will help us all catch our breath a little bit and uh, play on God's playground. I, I have a good friend named Bob Krulish who years ago introduced me to a different way of thinking about how we engage Jesus in our everyday life. He talked about our relationship with Jesus as play, which deeply appealed to me because of how much Jesus talks about the kingdom of God can only be understood and practiced by those who are children. And yet, as we grow older, uh, adult life squeezes the child out of us. So really, Jesus is calling us back to a childlike relationship with him where our life becomes more play than it does than it is grind. And so today we're going to play a little bit on the playground with Jesus and take a breath. Don't you need a breath right now? <laughs> uh, this has been uh, such a chaotic time. I was on a, a Zoom call with a, a bunch of leaders from different organizations um, yesterday, and uh, in the middle of the Zoom call, the leader of that call put up a poll for everyone to answer, and it was uh, it, it gave you eight or ten different uh, check boxes on the poll that um, uh, addressed how we are doing in the midst of this pandemic. So it gave eight or ten different ways of describing how you're doing in the middle of this long. Uh, pandemic season that's included racial unrest and in a divisive election and all kinds of things. Uh, so you could choose, you could check as many boxes as you wanted to, and then the poll would show you how many people on the call chose what. And one of the options to choose was, I'm exhausted from all of this. <laughs> and I think the final tally there was 89% of people checked that box. So yes, we're exhausted by all this. We need a chance to catch our breath. So let's do that today. So if you're not driving and you want to flip open your Jesus-centered Bible to Matthew chapter 6, that's where we're going to land right off the bat today. Jesus said something that includes that phrase, consider the birds. <laughs> so we're going to sink into this little thing that Jesus said. We're going to slow way down and try to understand what he was really saying here, because I, I think that when I hear people talk about what we're about to read, I think they often um, mistake what Jesus was really saying here when he said this. So this is in Matthew chapter 6, verses 24 through 27. We're going to slow down and savor this. So in, in, uh, if you're reading this right now in your Jesus Center Bible, or, or uh, if you're just reading the scripture, you, uh, 
this first line that Jesus says is, is the last line of one paragraph. And then the next line we read is the first line of a new paragraph. Well, this is one of the downsides of the Bible being split into chapters and verses and paragraphs that originally, uh, you know, there was no paragraph separation here, but the paragraph separation actually makes it, uh, it has a profound and subtle impact on us. It tells us that Jesus has just finished a thought and now he's starting a new thought. And in this case, that's not the case. Jesus is not finished with his thought um, at the end of this first phrase. He's actually, the, the, all of this is, is intimately tied together, and that's important. You'll see why in just a minute. So Matthew 6, 24 through 27, here's Jesus. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Now, that's the last sentence of one paragraph. And in our Bibles, this next sentence is the, ne is the first sentence of a new paragraph. But that's unfortunate because these two are intimately tied. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. That is why I tell you, let me stop right there. He's saying what I just said is the reason why I'm always telling you the thing I'm about to tell you all over again. That thing I just said is the reason why I, I, I'm always telling you this thing I'm about to tell you. So he says, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds or consider the birds. <laughs> They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Well, that last little line, we've heard that a lot, right? When, when we're anxious and worried, we've heard other people say, or we have a voice inside of us that says, can all of our, this anxiety and worry add even a single moment to our life? What is all of my worry and anxiety accomplishing? We know that's true in our head, but it's really hard to push back the anxious, worried feelings we have, right? Just because we know that's true doesn't mean it solves the problem for us. And in fact, um, if you think about what Jesus is saying here, he knows this already. It's, it's almost impossible for us to not worry about everyday life. Isn't that true? Almost everyone we know, including ourselves, has worries about everyday life. So Jesus is not ignorant. He knows all of us have everyday concerns that dominate our thoughts. Um, he knows all this. So the question is, why is he saying, then don't worry about these everyday things? That's what we need to sink into here. So anxiety, of course, right now is the wallpaper of our life. At the start of this year, anxiety disorders were the most common mental illness in the United States. 40 million people, 18 and older, or one-fifth of our population, had an anxiety disorder right at that moment. So uh, at, if you took a snapshot at the start of this year, one-fifth of the people that you in that snapshot would have an anxiety disorder. Um, even more, one-third of the population right now, at some point in their life, has had an anxiety disorder of some kind. Now, all of these numbers, by the way, are slightly higher for children and teenagers. But here's the deal. During the pandemic, 
that one fifth of people that is right now in the snapshot has experienced an anxiety disorder, it's now a third. So it's obviously grown quite a lot during the pandemic. Actually, anxiety disorders and depression are a second epidemic in our culture right now. That's the truth. We are gripped by anxiety. And right now, in the, in the transition uh, that we're in right now politically, their country's leadership, the anxiety is high. <laughs> Still, um, it just doesn't seem to let up. And now we're in the second or third wave of a virus, a pandemic. The anxiety doesn't seem to let up. So Jesus is here saying, you can't serve God and be enslaved to money. And that's why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. Aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Jesus, are you out of touch? I mean, it would be nice to not feel anxious, but how? And we can't just turn that switch off. So let's slow down and consider what Jesus is saying here in a new way. All right? So the first question to, add, to, to plunge into, to slow down and, and pick apart here is, well, why can't we serve God if we're enslaved to money? I mean, what, what's the problem he's trying to address here? Why can't we serve God and also be enslaved to money? This is something we sort of take for granted, but let's really explore why that is not possible. Why is he saying that this isn't possible? So here's a few thoughts. Um, if it, it, he, the key word here is enslaved to money. It's not, you can't serve God and make money or you can't serve God and make a lot of money. Um, he's saying you can't be enslaved to money. And a person who um, is either rich, poor, or somewhere in between, every person along that continuum can be enslaved to money, meaning they're serving the cause of money. No matter where you are on that continuum, it's not just rich people that can find themselves enslaved to money. It's anyone. And when you're enslaved to something, another way of saying that is that it makes money the main thing in your life, right? That that thing, whatever it is, becomes your master. And you're really not free to serve another master because you're beholden, you're owned by that one master. So if you have one master, you cannot serve another one. It just makes perfect sense because you can only be owned by one master at one time. And that means that that thing, whatever it is, becomes the main thing in your life. Uh, Bob Dylan famously said, we're going to serve somebody. <laughs> in, uh, in his uh, breakthrough album after he committed his life to Christ, it's called Slow Train Coming. Uh, one of the most popular songs on the album was you got to serve somebody. I think that was the epiphany that drove Bob Dylan to faith in Christ is that he recognized all of us are going to serve someone. It's just, a, or something. It's just a matter of choosing what that thing is that we're going to serve in life. And uh, of course, many, many people have chosen to serve money and all that it promises us in our life because it's tangible it seems reachable. 
We see lots of examples of other people who have more than we do, and they seem to have a better life than we do. It gives us a tangible carrot to go after. And before we know it, we're serving that thing as our master. We make it the main thing in our life. Enslavement also speaks to our purpose in life. So when, when you're uh, mastered by something, that thing takes up your whole, uh, whole vision and purpose in life. It, it morphs into the focus and purpose of our life. That's another way of saying it. So for instance, you, you, know, uh, you can't work two full-time jobs. You have to work one or the other, and whichever one you're working, that very much ties into your purpose in life. Um, you could also say, like, um, you, when you're in school, uh, you probably had coaches, if you played in sports, that didn't want you playing multiple sports in the same season. Why? Because you can't give 100% to that one sport, and the coach wants you to give 100% to that one sport. If you're divided, they're, the, the sport he wants you to succeed in is not going to get all of you, and therefore you're not going to be as good. So uh, the idea here is to focus so that we can give all of ourselves to whatever that thing is. And you can't give all of yourself to two different things. It just doesn't work that way. Um, you can only give all of yourself to one thing. Um, and if you think you can give all of yourself to many things, then, then you, are, you don't realize this, but you're compartmentalizing your life. You're, you're not giving 100% of yourself to everything. That's just mathematically not possible either. So, and here, here's one more thought. What we do with our life and purpose, whatever it is we're serving in life, is also what's feeding our soul. It's kind of the diet that we're eating in our life. Whatever that thing is, it, we're going to get the nutritional value of whatever we're eating. And Jesus is also saying, you, you can't serve God, meaning have a healthy diet that is life-giving, and also be enslaved to money because that diet will kill you. So as much as we think that money will fill us and feed us, there is so much research right now into what makes people happy. It's been kind of a cottage industry of research on what makes people happy right now. And what they've discovered is that uh, um, uh, money, uh, an increase in finances does make us happier up to a certain point until our basic needs are met. And then past that, money has really no impact on our intrinsic happiness. Um, this is controversial uh, when it first started coming out because people it, it just didn't fit their mindset that the more money we have, the more happy we're, we're supposed to be. We say we don't believe that, but actually we don't act like that. Um, so th this, all of the research is telling us right now that once we hit that, that line of demarcation where our basic needs are met, um, that additional money does not make us happier. It makes sense if you're uh, desperately poor, getting more money is going to definitely improve your life and make you happier. But at a certain level, it stops having that impact. So the question is, well, what kind of diet are we following in our life? What are we feeding on? So then the, the second question here, what's the problem he's trying to address? Uh, if we think about what Jesus is trying to say here and, and drill down into, well, what the, is, it, is the problem money? No, no, the problem isn't money. 
That's a straw man. The problem is enslavement. In what will we be enslaved? Therefore, meaning that we, we cannot serve another master except for that one. Um, so the problem here I think he's trying to address is to avoid consuming other things except for him. Avoid consuming other things. Avoid other diets except for the diet that goes all in for Jesus. He wants all of us, all of us. And this makes perfect sense. It sounds daunting at the start, but it really isn't. It, it makes perfect sense. If you think about, let's think about a marriage relationship. So um, two of the young people that have been in my sort of home church for young adults for a long time, they were some of the original members of it. So they were in it for seven years. Um, they are now engaged. Their names are Joel and Megan. And um, last weekend, they showed up to hang out with my daughter, Lucy, who was home from college. They're going to hang out socially distanced on our back deck. And they came early, which they never do. And the reason they came early is they handed me a bottle of wine and a card that said, would you please uh, officiate our wedding, which just bowled me over. Um, I mean, I just didn't see it coming. Uh, it was such an honor to be asked to do this. And so uh, I'm thinking about Joel and Megan. They're just recently engaged. They're going to be married uh, on Memorial Day next year. And I'm thinking, well, what if, as they're going through all these preparations, asking somebody to officiate their marriage and their wedding and uh, starting to, they, they found their wedding location and they've sent out the save the date invitations and they're planning their honeymoon and they're doing all this stuff. What if along this path, Joel and Megan were having dinner one night and talking about their future. And Joel said to Megan, you know what, Megan, here's what I can tell you. For the rest of our lives, I am going to be 47% committed to you. No, no lie. 47%. It's almost at 50%. Well, if you were Megan, how would you feel? <laughs> like, what? You know, no number besides 100% would be an appropriate number to tell me right now, Joel. <laughs> Why? Because people who are committing themselves to each other just intrinsically expect 100% commitment. Now, does it always work out that way? No. But our expectations for an intimate relationship is not 47% committed. It's 100% committed because when we're talking about the giving of our heart, no number besides 100% even makes sense to us, right? We would never want that with the people who are closest to us. So, and Jesus is no different. He's saying, I want 100% because I love you. I'm committed to you. Do you love and are, and are you committed to me? It's, it's 100% then. That, that's the standard for intimacy. So, so the problem here he's trying to address is who or what are we going to give our 100% to? Because whatever we give our 100% to, we are married to. So let's take it out of the enslavement language. Whatever we decide to give 100% to, we are married to. And he wants to be, quote unquote, married to us. And if we say, well, I think I can do 47% for you, Jesus. Well, that's not an intimate relationship. It's not a, quote unquote, marriage relationship. So in life, we have an inherent need for purpose. 
something we feed on, the diet that we, that we are consuming, we have a, a driving need to serve something, as Bob Dylan said. <laughs> and the question is, what will we serve? And here Jesus is saying, don't serve money, because if you feed on that, you, your nutrition, it's, its nutrition value is way low, you're going to die. You cannot survive if you serve money. But if you serve me, the diet you feed on will be life, abundant life. Jesus said, the thief has come to kill and steal and destroy, but I have come so that you might have life and life abundant. So when we feed on Jesus as our diet, what we're feeding on is abundant life leading to fruit and life in us. So after his first statement here about this problem of enslavement to money, Jesus, again, let me remind you of this. He's saying, that is why I tell you what I'm about to tell you. He's directly referencing everything we just talked about with enslavement to money and spotlighting the under underlying reasons why he's always telling his disciples the same thing over and over again, which is essentially, don't worry about everyday life. So in the context of thinking about what we're attaching ourselves to, what, what our diet is, he then says, because of what I'm saying right now, don't worry about everyday life. So what, what is he saying? And why is he saying it? Why would he say, don't worry about everyday life when he knows we do? Well, I think the, the answer that unlocks this sort of dissonance is that what he's saying something that's really about our dependence. So money is a tool that we use to replace dependence on Jesus with something that seems more reliable and tangible. And there are lots of reliable, tangible replacements other than money in our life, right? He's just using money as one of those things that we enslave ourselves to because it seems reliable and tangible. But we can also say power and career and success and fame. And um, even if you drop down a little bit into squishier things like um, a great family life, a vacation home, travel. I mean, the list could go on and on of things that seem more reliable and tangible replacements for our dependents than Jesus. Um, and these things make up the, the fabric of our life when we attach ourselves to them. But really, this is about our dependent relationships on things. So when Jesus says, don't worry about everyday life, he's really getting at what we are dependent on at our fundamental level. He's, he's saying that if you're dependent on these other reliable, tangible replacements for me, those things are going to shrivel you. Those things are even going to destroy you. The only dependence that gives life is the one that you have with me. So the question then is, where does my dependence lie? That's, I think, how to read what Jesus is, is trying to bring up here. Where does my dependence lie? And if it lies in the place of um, all of these other tangible replacements, well, yes, that, that speaks to enslavement, and you will not be free. Um, and so your worry will follow that. Your worry and anxiety will follow that. And then he gives the example of the birds. 
the birds aren't worried. It doesn't mean the birds aren't working. Of course they are. They, if they just lay around in their nest, they will die. So of course they're working, they're looking for food and everything else. But Jesus is saying, but they're not fundamentally worrying. They know that they have a good father who provides for them. They get themselves out there and they know that that provision meets them at the point at which they are scavenging for food and feeding their, their little baby birds. That provision is the umbrella under which they live their lives. It doesn't mean they're lazy. It just means that they have a fundamental expectation that they're cared for underneath that umbrella. So the question, where does my dependence lie? Well, does it today rely upon a political candidate? Many people have been snookered in, and uh, suckered into thinking that our whole life depends on a political candidate um, and the, all the things that that political candidate represents. Look, if, if that's kind of where you're at right now, then you could change what Jesus was saying and change it into this. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to your political candidate. You can't. Um, one will be master, not the other. That's just the way things work. You can't serve God and be enslaved to your political candidate. You can't serve God and be enslaved to the Constitution. As much as the Constitution is well, one of the greatest documents ever created in the world and created the greatest democracy the world has ever seen, the Constitution is not the same as God or Jesus. It, it's, it's just not. We can't serve the Constitution and think we're also now serving Jesus. It's one or the other. You can't serve God and be enslaved to the economy. Come on, gang. Here's who we are. We are Jesus' followers because he's conquered our, conquered our hearts. His heart has conquered our heart. Let's be Jesus' followers. Let's live out our dependence on Jesus. Let's not try to serve two gods. Let's just serve one because it's physically, spiritually impossible to serve two anyway. One of them's going to win. Um, which one gets to win in our life? That's the question. Another way of thinking about this is, do we seek our freedom from Jesus or do we seek our freedom from other tangible replacements? Uh, Jesus said, I've come to set captives free. But do instead, are we throwing it out there that um, money has come to set me free from my captivity or my political leader has come to set me free from my captivity or the economy has come to set me free from my captivity? Hey, just being honest here, um, that's, that's not what someone ruined by and ruined for Jesus says. <laughs> they, they see all these things. All these things are still stressors in their life, but they're fundamentally seeking their freedom from Jesus in the end and from nothing else. Even if we get distracted like uh, a dog in the backyard with a bunch of squirrels <laughs> in the trees gets distracted, that's us sometimes. But are we fundamentally focused on our master in the end? When the master comes into the backyard, where does the dog look? Yeah. So yes, we get distracted by the squirrels. But what is our fundamental dependent connection in life? This is what Jesus is inviting us to when he says, consider the birds. Their fundamental connection is in, is in their great and good provider. 
And that's what Jesus, that's the kind of relationship Jesus is inviting us into. So no, Jesus is not going to fix or thwart everything we fear in life. His solution to our anxieties is really focused on his presence, on his presence. His overarching goal, we know this from John chapter 17, when he's praying to his father just before he heads to the cross. Fun, uh, the thing, the, the statement that orbits, that everything else in his prayer orbits around is, my father, I want these that I love to be with me. I want these that I love to be with me. Jesus is always focused on inviting us into his presence and, and asking us to invite him into our, all of our everyday realities. It's when we sink into his presence, open ourselves like little children and give him, give him ourselves wholeheartedly over and over that we experience a respite from worry. It's our deep connection to Jesus rather than our deep connection to our worries and anxieties that opens the flow of life into our soul. Jesus is saying we can't really maintain both connections at the same time. So let's disengage from one, he's saying, your anxieties and worries about the world. Disengage from those because those show your investment, your dependent relationship with things other than me. Let's disengage from those so that we can re-engage the other, the well of life that he represents. So to close off here, um, whether you're driving or not, I want you to simply think of an anxiety you're feeling right now. Just pause for a moment, breathe a little bit. What's the first anxiety that pops into your head? Let me give you a moment here. Got one? Okay, good. So now what I'd like you to do, whether you're driving or not, is find something in your environment to fix your eye on. Now, if you're driving, fix your eye on something that you can look at for a little bit, not something you're about to pass by. <laughs> Just fix on your eye on something in your environment, whatever captures your attention right now. Just do that. Breathe, relax. All right, you have something in your environment that you're fixed on? Okay, now here's what I'd like you to do, and I'm gonna give you some silence to do this. Just want you to pause and ask Jesus how that thing that you fixed your eye on might represent your anxiety, the anxiety that came up in you. How does that thing that you're looking at right now, how might it represent your identity? Just ask him to show you. We'll pause for a moment. All right, you sense something come up there, how that thing you're looking at represents that anxiety that came up in you. All right, now keep your eye on that thing and ask Jesus a couple of questions. I'll ask them one at a time here. So I'm going to ask them and then you ask Jesus in the silence. Jesus, what impact has this worry or anxiety had on my life? Jesus, what impact has this worry or anxiety had on my life? Go ahead and ask him that and then wait in silence. All right, here's the second question to ask. I'll ask it first and then you ask, all right? 
Jesus, how has this worry or anxiety impacted my relationship with you? How has this worry or anxiety impacted my relationship with you? Go ahead and ask and then wait. All right, now you can take your eye off that thing, whatever it is you were looking at. And now I want you to fix your eye on something else in your environment. If you're driving, fix your eye on something that's not gonna go away as you're driving. Just fix your eye on something else in your environment, something that communicates hope most strongly to you. So just say, Jesus, I'm looking for something that communicates hope. And just fix your eye on something, whatever seems to capture your attention, okay? Hope, fix your eye on it. All right, now one last question to ask Jesus. I'll ask it first and then you ask him. Jesus, what specific message of hope are you communicating to me through this thing I'm looking at? What specific message of hope are you communicating to me through this thing I'm looking at? Go ahead and ask him and then wait in silence. All right, good. I, I hope you approach this like a, a little child with your hands open, that you're just catching whatever comes. Uh, what specific message of hope are you communicating to me, Jesus, through that thing that I'm looking at? Now we're going to do one last thing here. I want you to find one last thing in your environment and just ask Jesus, fix my eye, Jesus, on something that says, says something about the true me. So, so just land on something in your environment that your, captures your eye, something that might say something about the true you. I'll give you a moment. Ask Jesus for help. Fix your eye on something that says something about the true you in your environment. Look around till you land on something. All right, now as we close in prayer, I want you to think of a word that describes that image, whatever it is you're looking at now. I want you to think of a word that describes that image. In just a moment, I'm going to have you say that word out loud in the middle of my closing prayer. You'll, you'll know when it is as I'm closing here. Just wherever you are, say it out loud. You can even whisper it. If, you, if you're in a, a place where it would be awkward to say it out loud, just whisper it when I tell you it's time. All right, let's close in prayer. Lord Jesus, um, yeah, it, asking us to not worry about the everyday life stuff seems impossible to us. But you know us. You understand what, how sheepy we sheep are. You know we are anxious and worried about lots of things, especially right now. But we see what you're doing here. We see that you're inviting us into your presence. We see that when we're in your presence, something releases in us. It's not that we forget about all this stuff in our life that is causing us to worry, but once when we feel connected to you, 
we feel like we've got life and peace and rest and the ability to breathe running through us. We want to live under the umbrella of your provision. And we know that you have a good heart. And underneath that umbrella, we work and live and breathe and move. But we want that. We want a dependent relationship with you. We don't want to choose tangible, reliable, uh, seemingly reliable other things other than you. We want you. And we need help. And we, and we need to know, Jesus, um, how you think about us. We need to be re-centered around um, your opinion of who we are. And that's so much tied to our hope. So whatever it is we were just looking at that seems to speak to who we really are and what word that describes that, we're going to offer that word to you right now as an as a act of gratefulness and worship. So right now, when I tell you it's time, say that word out loud or whisper it. Three, two, one, go. Yeah, I, please, Jesus, receive these words in their intent, that these are our little widow's might that we offer to you. It's not much, but it's what we have. And we offer it to you, and we love you, Jesus. Amen. All right, gang, I hope you took a breath uh, during that. I hope you feel it a, a little bit more at rest, a little bit more connected to Jesus, and therefore a little less worried. That's my hope. By the way, uh, I've mentioned this before, the future is upon me. <laughs> if you didn't hear from the last episode, I've started a new exciting role as Executive Director of Vibrant Faith, a ministry resourcing, training, research, and coaching organization. And I'm very excited to be invited and honored to be invited into this role with Vibrant Faith. I am still, this is the end of my third week, so I'm still drinking out of a fire hose, but I'm getting my feet under me. Um, if you want to check out any uh, links that have been mentioned in today's podcast, just go to painridiculousattentiontojesus.com. You're going to look for season five, episode 40, episode 40. And don't forget to head over to jesuscenteredaily.com and get your free sample of my new daily devotional at Jesus Center Daily. You can watch my video there, order a copy, get a sample, whatever. jesuscenteredaily.com. Head on over there and check it out. Gang, thank you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being part of this community. This is Paying Ridiculous Attention to Jesus. It's a podcast from ricklawrence.com. We'll see you again.